Good morning, church. Would you guys stand and worship with us? Greet those around you and join in.
saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. Signs and wonders, and I have resurrection power. Still, the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven, and my praise belongs to you forever. This is my testimony from death to life. His grace rewrote my story, I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified This is my testimony, this is my testimony Come together sons and daughters Washed in water Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father Our God will finish what He started Yes, our God will finish what He started This is my testimony From death to life This grace we wrote our story Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. my testimony from death to life this grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified this is my testimony this is my testimony this is my testimony from death to life this grace rewrote my story I'll testify Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony.
guys have a seat. Morning, church. I love that line. If I'm not dead yet, you're not done. Just think about the things that God has done in your life in the last decade of your life. What about in the last year, last two years? It's been crazy, right? What about this week? All those things don't happen if we're not here. God's still working. He's still, he's, he's still bringing us to where he wants us to be. He's still working through us in huge and great ways. This week, Kim and our last, I guess last Monday, we go uh, t- uh, tomorrow. Kim and I celebrated our 35th anniversary and we got away for the weekend. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, it rained the whole week. Except for Monday night. Monday night, like it stopped raining from like at about four o'clock until about eight thirty or nine o'clock. And the place we were staying in Tennessee, uh, the resort there, every Monday night has an outdoor concert. We didn't know. We've been down there a dozen times. We didn't know. And so we, Kim ran into some lady and said, yeah, are you coming to hear Jake Hoot tonight? And we were like, what? <laughs> And didn't know, and so he won The Voice a couple years ago. He's from that area. He's doing an outdoor concert, so we're like, yeah, that'd be cool. Like 5,000 people showed up out on this lawn uh, to, to listen to this country music singer who's on The Voice from that area. It was so much fun. I mean, we're just sitting up there in chairs, and honest to goodness, at this, we're the young guys. We were the young guys at the concert, and we're watching these people that are old enough to be our parents having the time of their life. There's a big open area. It was, I've never seen senior citizens rush a mosh pit before. They were all down in front, and, and they were like line dancing and clogging and just and a couple of them just moving. That's all they did. They didn't know what they were doing. But they were having the time of their life just just enjoying a night out and then he switched on him all of a sudden out of nowhere he starts singing God is so good God is so good God is so good he's so good to me there was a momentary lapse because it caught people a little off guard But by the second line of that chorus, we've turned a concert into a worship event. And and then he sang, at the end, he sang, Hallelujah. It was the coolest thing. At this concert, we're there with people our age and older. 5,000 people, it's dark by now. And... All those people knew how to use the light on their cell phone. Cause they got, you know, they don't have lighters. They got cell phones up in the air. And I'm thinking, how cool is it when in the midst of everyday life, worship breaks out? Jesus said, if you don't do that, the rocks and the trees will. And so we get this glorious opportunity in the midst of all the chaos that's in the world today, in the midst of things that are happening that are unspeakable in foreign countries. We get this opportunity of freedom to come and to worship in the middle of our everyday lives to let worship break out. And so I just want to encourage you to let worship break out. One of the biggest pieces of worship for us is what we're getting ready to do right now. 
to worship a risen Savior through the actions of communion, through taking of a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice to remind us of his body and bless it. If you're watching online with us, I'm thrilled that you joined us this morning. I hope right now, if you hadn't already done so, maybe you'll get up and go to the kitchen and get a cracker and some grape juice or something that you can take communion and participate in worship and let worship break out in your life. If you haven't given, you can do it online. Or if you're here with us, uh, the boxes are up here. I just want to pray that in our everyday, run-of-the-mill, sometimes rainy lives, that we'll let worship break out. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity to worship you, to be reminded that our testimony is that you brought death to life and to celebrate that testimony. Let us do it now in this action of communion, but let us do it today as we walk out of here, tomorrow as we walk around town. Let us break out in worship of King Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.
guys can go have it. Go ahead and have a seat. Movie clip, but not yet. Good morning. Welcome. Hey, um, we're in week four of Playground talking about this idea that there are things in the gospel, there are things that Jesus teaches us that he says to his followers, uh, followers and to us that are really, some of them play out on the playground scene, right? And so we've talked about getting along with others. We've talked about do-overs. Last week, we talked about what it looks like uh, to be a part of a team and to serve together. And so, by the way, we still need more people to volunteer to help us serve here. So if you're still thinking about that, praying about that, we need you. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about what it looks like to make a friend, maybe for the very first time. Do you guys remember making your very first friend? Maybe it was on a a playground at school. Maybe it was in the cafeteria. Maybe it was that that first day of of school. Uh, Maybe it was in the neighborhood. Maybe it was when your parents went over to their uh, another couple's house and they had kids about your age, and it was like those were your friends because your parent those parents were friends. Your parents were friends with them, but it was like okay, we'll play with them because they're here. But then, like there was this point in your life where you choose a friend. And they choose you. Do you guys remember that? Playing with them, like building that relationship. I bet you can think back and go, who was my very first friend? I want you guys to to look at a clip this morning. (laughs) You've already seen part of it. But I want you guys to look at a clip this morning. It's from a movie called Wonder. Wonder is about a young boy named Augie Pullman. Augie has a... um, a genetic disorder. It's called Treacher Collins Syndrome. And so he's had in his life, this is a true story. Augie is about, he was born in 2002, so he's like 19 years old today. Uh, this is a true story. Uh, Augie has had 27, up to this point, he has had 27 surgeries to reshape and form his nose and his eyes and his ears, his cheekbones, his face, uh, so that he can just simply see and hear and eat Um, All those things that that we take for granted. Um, And so the Pullmans, as Augie was in elementary school, they homeschooled him. He gets to middle school, and they decide, they live in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, They they decide to enroll him in a middle school there in Brooklyn. It's called Beecher Prep. Beecher Prep is a pretty nice school. A lot of nice kids, but you can imagine it's middle school. And middle school is hard enough when you don't have, you know, these other things, these obvious things that, that some kids would look at as targets and, and want to poke fun at you for, right? You can imagine that whole scenario, right? So Augie and his, his parents, um, they go visit the school. 
to kind of check it out, see how, you know, where everything is, kind of like a little, a little thing before they decide this is where they want to go to school. They walk the halls, those kind of things. Two or three kids are there to kind of lead them around the school, show them the classroom, show them, you know, where they would be, those kind of things, where the cafeteria is, all this kind of stuff, right? One of the boys on that day, his name's Jack Will. His last name's Will. They call him Jack Will in the movie, but his name's Jack, okay? And Jack is, is a boy that at first he's kind of like, you know, he's kind of a little standoffish with Augie because it's a different scenario and, and he, he doesn't know really what's going on with Augie. But then they, they kind of become, strike up this, this conversation and, and this friendship starts to kind of blossom there in their first meeting. Uh, they leave, the parents leave, they go, go back. There's this scene where the first day of school, Augie's a mom who's played by Julia Roberts, her dad Owen Wilson, are there standing there ready to kind of let Augie walk down the sidewalk uh, to, the, to the school for the first day. Augie loves to wear, uh, at home he would wear like an astronaut's helmet and he would, they, he would wear that a lot out in public to just hide his face, to hide his, his, because he didn't want, he was embarrassed because he didn't want people to see him and uh, the way he looked. And so he would wear this astronaut's helmet a lot. And so there's this beautiful scene. This is not where you're going to see this morning, but it's a really cool scene. By the way, if you haven't seen this movie, you need to go home and watch it like this week and you'll cry. Like, and if you don't cry, you don't have a heart. Okay. It's a beautiful family movie. Go watch it with your kids, grandkids. It's, there's a lot of really, really cool, uh, things in there that we can learn from. Anyway, there's this scene where Owen Wilson, uh, he, he's talking to Augie, and Augie's still got the, the astronaut helmet on, little black screen on the front there, right? And he's like, Augie, I think it's, I think it's about time to take the, the helmet off. And, and, and so they, they kind of do a little lift-off thing. And so he does that, and he's walking, and you can just see Julia Roberts, you know, the great actress. She's, I mean, she's just kind of hyperventilating, like crying, and Owen's crying, and Dad's crying. And they're just like, and Sister's there too, and it's like, oh my gosh, Augie's going first day of middle school, and he walks off. Well, the scene you're going to see is the first day of, of, of cafeteria, of lunch. And Augie and Jack are reunited since that time that they met a few weeks ago for the orientation. And I want you guys to take a look at this video, or this clip, and then we'll continue on. Let's watch this. When I eat, I think I choose.
At the end of the movie, they give Augie uh, an award for his strength and courage uh, throughout the school. He wins the, wins the principal's award. And the whole auditorium stands up, kids and parents and teachers, and they stand up and they give Augie a standing ovation uh, for the year that he had in sixth grade. Uh, at the end of the movie, here's a quote from the movie. It says, from Augie, it says, Be kind, for everyone is fighting a hard battle. And if you really want to see what people are, all you have to do is look. Augie's mom makes this famous quote that's the reason for the title of the movie. She says, she looks at Augie and says, you're a wonder, Augie. Indeed he is. Augie teaches us a lot of things about life. One of those things is that you take what you've been given and you do the best that you can with it. Another thing that Augie's life teaches us is that to be a good friend or to have good friends, you need to be a good friend. And so that's what Augie tries to do, and Jack responds to that. This movie is, it has ups and downs. I won't spoil it for you if you go home and watch it, but they have some, some ups and downs in their relationship. Jack makes a big, huge mistake in the middle of it. Uh, at the end, they're reconciled though, but there's this friendship that blossoms and buds. Maybe you can think about the friends, the dear friends that you have in your life. Maybe you've taught your kids and your grandkids, you know, if you want to have good friends, You need to be a good friend. And this morning, I want us to think about what it really looks like to be a friend worth having. To be someone that others can count on, can call upon. Maybe you have those in your life. Maybe you have some people in your life, a person. They're like, this person is my friend. Not a relative or a sibling necessarily. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a spouse. But like someone that like you chose them, they chose you. And this is like your, your friend. This is the person like the, 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 when, when things are good, you call them. When things are bad, you call them. When life is just life, you call them. Like this is the person you want to hang out with, you want to go to dinner with, you just want to do life with. Right? We probably all have, hopefully, have people like that in our lives. And so what does it look like to be that kind of a person? And then what does that mean for us as the church? And how can God use that in our lives and in this world? So I, I went, uh, was looking this week just at some qualities of good friendships. And I, and I, and I kind of just wrote some of these down, different blogs and different things. I kind of came up with a list. So here are some qualities. What makes us a good friend? Look at the first one. Here's the first thing. Take a genuine interest in others. As we listen and, and learn from others, we show interest in, in what they find important. We begin to truly love and understand them. Take a genuine interest. You probably have someone in your life that, that the first thing that they do when they see you is they ask you about your life. They ask you about how things are going with, with you, with your family, with your kids, with your grandkids. How are things? How's this? How's that? You know, maybe you're involved in something, a project or a new career or something's going on big in your life and they know about that. And as soon as they see you, as soon as you talk to them, it's immediately, hey, how's that? How, how are things going? They take a genuine interest in you. That's the first thing that we need to think about. The second thing is we need to be a giver and not a taker. That's not what your friends can give you, but what rather you can give your friends, right? Giving may take time. It may take us out of our way. It may take sacrifice. It may take us out of our comfort zone, but that's the definition of love, sacrificial Giving And so be a giver, not a taker. The third one is this. Be loyal, right? Loyalty is a rare commodity in today's world, but it's a requirement for true friendship. When we are loyal to a friend, we prove ourselves worthy of other friends. Loyalty is one of those things that's, that's hard to come by. 
But we need to be loyal. We need to show that we're, we're not going to stab in the back or gossip or do those things that break friendships and break relationships. The, third, the fourth thing is this. Be a positive person. We want friends we can laugh with. Don't you want friends that you know if you go out to dinner with them or if you invite them over, if you're hanging out with them, you're just going to laugh, right? You're going to have a good time and you're going to laugh. Uh, uh, part of this, when I, I read this week, there's, there's a quote that says, you know, there are two kinds of people in the world. The people that brighten up a room when they enter a, a room and the people that brighten up the room when they leave the room, right? Be the kind of people that when you walk into the room, it brightens up. People's face just kind of lights up and a smile comes on their face because you're, you're this positive person that's bringing that into the place. Those are the kind of people that God's called us to be as Christians. The fifth thing is that we need to appreciate the differences in others. <laughs> This is, this, is, this is a good one for our day and time, right? God created people with a variety of personalities, talents, and interests. Each one of us is a unique creation. Mixed, we blend to form the body of Christ. And so we have these differences. We have, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but we have differences of opinions on a variety of things. And some of us hold those opinions very strongly, right? That's okay. But we have differences. Look at number six because it kind of speaks to that. Build on common interest. There's usually something that draws you to the people that you're friends with. It's a hobby. It's a sport. It's an activity. It's maybe a kid's activity. It's, it's family. It's some, there's something that draws you together. It's a Bible study. It's a life group. It's a church. There are things that... that kind of draw us together as friends and as a community. And so we need to build on those common interests. We recognize the differences and we say, hey, we have a difference of opinion on these things, but we're going to focus on the things that we have in common. And as a church, there are a few of those, and we're going to talk specifically about those this morning. And so what are those common things that we have, those things that we have in common? And the seventh thing, be open and honest and real. The word hypocrite originally described actors on the stage who covered their faces with masks to conceal their true identity. Today, the world describes people uh, as hypocrites who pretend to do something that they're not. We know what a hypocrite is. True friendship can't be built on false images. We must be true to ourselves, true to others. We may think that if we present this faultless picture, this perfect picture of life and our marriage and our kids, right, on social media or just when somebody comes over, like when you're out in public, like, like people aren't looking for perfection in our relationships. They know that we're not perfect. We just got to have to admit it and say we're real and we struggle. So be real and be honest and be vulnerable and open and, and, and with your friends, with those relationships, and you'll see them grow. I love the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a book full of wisdom. And I did a, a word search this week. So I want to share you. There's like 13 of these. And I'm sure there's more. I'll probably miss some. But there's a bunch of Proverbs that speak directly to how we should be a friend and, and, and a friend that's worth having. And then some of the warning signs with, with others. Here's the first one. Proverbs 12, 26 says this. The godly give good advice to their friends, but the wicked lead them astray. You ever seen someone lead someone else astray? You ever, you ever been led astray by a friend? Maybe when you were younger and you like followed them down a path and you're like, oh man, shouldn't have done that. That's going to hurt in the morning, right? You got the bumps and the bruises to prove it. The next one, Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Don't raise your hand if you've ever associated with fools. 
But we know, right? When you associate with fools, you get in trouble. God's word is full of incredible wisdom. Proverbs 16, uh, 28 says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. You ever been there? Proverbs 17, 9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Love prospers when fault is forgiven. Maybe there's someone today that you need to either extend forgiveness to or ask forgiveness from so a relationship can be mended. 17.7 says, A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. Proverbs 18.24 says, There are friends, in quotation marks, who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. You ever had friends, right? I think we all probably have. Proverbs 19.20 says, Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 says, Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them. And watch this. Endanger your soul. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. You ever been wounded by a friend? And then you turn around and you, you, after a season of healing, you realize, you know what? That's exactly what I needed. I needed them to say that to me. I needed them to kind of confront me. God, thank you for a true friend who's willing to do that. Maybe you've been on both sides of, of those conversations. Proverbs 27, 19 says, The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. And then the last one, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. You know, I thought about this this week. True friendship is, is really hard to cultivate. It really is. When you have a, a true friend, it's a treasure, isn't it? When you have someone that you know you can go to. And I, and I know that some of you guys have, have just thinking and knowing some of your stories and some of the relationships you have. Some of you guys have, have lost friends. Maybe they, 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 they passed on and you're like, man, I had a, had a friend and he was a gift. She was a gift from the Lord to me. You know what a true friend is. And it's hard to cultivate that in our world today. Here's the reason why it's hard. is because we live in a broken world, right? And we're broken people. And so there's this sin that kind of creeps up in our lives, in their lives, in our world. And it can really threaten the fabric of true friendship. The entire story of Scripture, though, it, it hinges on how Jesus comes to restore our relationships. That, that's what... The New Testament is, is this story of how God wants to restore our relationships. First with Him, right? And then with one another. And, and that's what you see play out over and over through Scripture. I want to read two really powerful passages of Scripture to you this morning. And then we're going to close with a passage from, from the Apostle Paul. And so for the rest of the time, a lot of this isn't... Um, my, isn't commentary. I just want in the in the, the last ten or fifteen minutes we have together. I, I want the the New Testament. I want Jesus's words to just kind of wash over us, and I want it to kind of just sink in. The first little passage we're going to see is where Jesus is sharing with his disciples, and he's saying, "Here's here's what I want for you." Here's what I want you to understand. It's a few hours before he will he will he will go to the cross. And he's sharing these words with him. And then the second part is a prayer. 
it's a prayer recorded by John in the Gospel of John from Jesus to God the Father. And it's this powerful prayer that you will see has a lot of uh, a lot in there for us today in 2021. Let's look. I want I want to read this and let's read this together on the screen. I want you guys to look at this. This is John chapter 15. This is Jesus. He looks at his disciples. He says this. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my command. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father's told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you, look at this, to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. In that command, in those words that Jesus gives his followers, he says, I want you to love the way that I've loved you. And I want you to go. And he says, I want you to produce this lasting fruit. I can't imagine anything that's that's a greater understanding of what our mission is as people, as individuals, as friends, and our relationships, and as a church. To go. To love one another the way that I have loved you. And then to produce this everlasting fruit. That our lives are to be these lives that produce these, this fruit. The, the, the product of our life is love through our relationships. And this is so important. And you're going to listen to a lot of this this morning. And you're going to say, this is it's, it's really simple and elementary. And it is. But then why is it so hard for us <laughs> to get right? Right? Why, why do we have to? I, I'm reminded of this. Hopefully you're reminded of this. In a world that is full of, of divisiveness, and in a world where it seems like there are these entities that are trying to put us and pit us against one another and divide us as a country, as a state, as a church, right? And in the middle of all of that, Jesus comes along and he says, love one another. Like I've loved you. Your life will produce fruit, everlasting fruit, if you love this way. And then later on, in, in John chapter 17, Jesus prays this prayer. Here's what he prays for his disciples, his friends, the, the people that he has been with for three and a half years, and now he's leaving them physically, and he's going to heaven, and he's praying to his Father. And here's what he says. He says, now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I've given them your word, 
And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of this world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Let me stop there just for a second. I know a lot of you guys will believe this, but there, there may be some, uh, some people here today, that are, you have friends, you have people that you know, that, that they question like, I don't know if I even really believe in Satan or the evil one or the devil. Like that seems kind of like old school. You know, that's kind of like, like we don't really talk about it much, right? Well, all I can tell anyone is that you may or may not believe that there is a, an evil one, but Jesus did. And he says it right here in that verse. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. And then Jesus said this. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all Notice this. For all who will ever believe in me through their message. You know what? You know who Jesus is talking about there when he says all? He's talking about us. You could insert your name. You could insert Shelby Christian Church right there in the middle of this passage. All who will ever believe in me through their message, through the disciples' message, through this gospel message. That's us. I pray that they will be, they will all be what? One. Just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as you are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience, look at this. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be, be with me wherever I am. Then they can all see, can see all the glory you have given me because you love me even before the world began. Jesus specifically in that moment, at the end of his earthly ministry, he preaches for perfect unity among his people. He says, let there be this perfect unity so that the world may know, God, that you sent me. What's that saying? It's saying that this is going to be so unique and so odd and so different than than what the rest of the world is experiencing. And, And it's this incredible opportunity that we have today in a world that is divided is there a place, is there ground where we can, can find perfect unity? And Jesus' prayer was that that place would be his church. 
That that place would be his people. That there would be, that the world would look at the church and go, there is perfect unity. We don't agree on a lot of things, but there are some things that we all agree on. And there's a group of people that have a mission and have a calling and are bearing fruit that lasts forever. And they love one another and they want to love me. And they're trying to befriend me and they're serving me and they're sacrificially giving for me. And if the world sees that, Jesus said, there's going to be this perfect unity, right? When we're focused on the mission that he's given us as individuals and as a church, Jesus said, they're going to go and there's going to be this everlasting joy and they're going to experience this everlasting glory with me in heaven. And that's the prayer that Jesus prays right there in the middle of John chapter 17. One of the last things he prays for is unity among his believers so that the world would know that God sent him. And so how in the world, in a a world full of division, like we said, can we be unified? How does that happen? Well, I want you to look at what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2. This is a little letter to a group of Christians in Philippi. Paul says that there are a few things that they have to get right. He says there are some things that he's trying to encourage this little small community of believers. He says there are some things he's, he's leading them and training them as new Christians in a new church in this small little, little place. And he's saying, hey, there are some things that you have to get right as believers. Paul starts, but he's leading this, this, this group and he, he encourages them that they should be known by their extravagant love for one another. And then Paul gives this brand new community some instructions on how they should live in unity and love in their community with, with other people. He says, out of this ordinary next level, next level kind of love, here's how you're going to be known to others. And in Philippians 2, 1 through 4, here's what it says. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Paul says, do you find any encouragement with being in Christ? These are kind of rhetorical questions, right? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in his spirit? Of course you, you, you are and you do. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? He says, then make me truly happy. Paul says to this young church, this young group of Christians, here's what you can do to really make me happy. By agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together. Again, Paul reiterating Jesus' prayer. One mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. But be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in other people too. And so what does Jesus, or what does Paul say there? Three really simple things. First, don't make things about yourself. Fight against selfishness. And towards selflessness. He says, humble, humbly put others first. When we rise up, we lift others up. God's designed us to experience positive gratification when we lift others up. That's why this movie that we looked at a clip about is so wonderful. It's when someone looks at someone else and helps raise them up. They put others first. It's powerful. The third thing is to take a genuine interest in others. Be interested in what other people find important and build common interest. There are things... There are things that we have in common. Why is this, any of this important? Why is it important to be a good friend or to have good friends? It's because Jesus' example, his example of love to this world is, is so 
important. And we have to get this right. Our relationships that God desperately wants us to see restored with one another. I'm guessing that that because of, of, of the way things have been in this world in the last couple of years, and I can't believe it's, but it, it, even more than that, maybe uh, five, six, seven, ten, I don't know. But I, I'm guessing that there are things that this world has, has thrown at you and some of your friendships and some of your relationships. And I bet you that there's a relationship or two that needs to be restored for you this morning. I bet if I said, just sit and think for a second, is there someone that, that you desperately love and they, you know they love you and it's just kind of off? It's, it's broken. Something you said or did, something they said or did. And I think, and they're a Christian, you're a Christian. And it's like, man, I wish we wouldn't focus on those things that distract us. But I wish we would get back to what God's called us to and for and what we should be about. Here's what Jesus says at the end of this, or, or, or Paul says about Jesus at the end of this in 5 through 11 of Philippians chapter 2. He says, you must have that same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God... He didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges to... He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. And Paul says, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, above all other names. At that name... The name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue would declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. The gospel message is too important for us to not be unified. The good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us is too important for us not to be one. And message and embody. It's too important for us to to forsake friendships and the fellowship that we enjoy with our friends. And there are people in our midst, in this community. You will will have people this week in your life that they just desperately, they need a friend. It sounds kind of goofy and corny, I know. But there are people in your life this week that you work with, that you live next door to, maybe that live in the same home that you live. Like, there are people, there are kids in our, in our ministry that are going to go to school this week. And they're, they're going to sit in the cafeteria maybe with their friends. And there's going to be some kid sitting there by himself. And, and he just desperately wants someone to see him or her and to talk to them. To be a friend. You, you remember that. Maybe you experienced that. And I've experienced that recently. And God says, I'm going to send you out to produce everlasting fruit. You love the way I've loved you. And in the middle of that, maybe we'll start to just turn this thing around. One relationship at a time. With a group of people, a few hundred, maybe a few thousand, that say this week, God, would you just remind me every day this week to love others the way you've loved me? I I saw a a really great um, 
um, little challenge on Facebook. I think it was last week. One of uh, Dave's uh, best friends, Dave Hastings, who's the uh, pastor over in, in Southern Indiana Church at Eastside, he said, hey, uh, try to go a whole week without criticizing anybody about anything. I thought that was a good challenge and a good goal. Well, what if we just say, you know what, this week, I, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'm not going to criticize anybody about anything. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to go and I'm going to love. And, and let's see, let's see what happens. That's my challenge for us this morning. Be a friend worth having. Things that we probably learned on the playground. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God in heaven, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word that reminds us, that corrects us, that encourages us, that gives us life. It's truth. And God, there's nothing more true than the actual words and prayers of your son Jesus. And so we thank you that those are recorded for us in the gospel of John. God, we pray for, for unity in this church. Pray for unity in this community. Not, not because we just want to sit around and, and hold hands and, and sing Kumbaya, but because we have a mission that you've given us that we can easily get distracted from. And God, I pray that we wouldn't do that. God, we know that there are at least four people today that are going to give themselves to you and be baptized. What an incredible celebration of what it means to be the church. To see people week after week after week come fill this baptistry and tell a story about what your son's done in their life. God, may we continue to see that day after day and week after week and year after year here at Shelby Christian Church. Because we choose to be friends and to love people and to find ways to connect with them like you want us to. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your son. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to sing this invitation song. Uh, Dave will be down here some other folks. We'd love to pray with you. If you have a decision, if you want to pray about anything, we'd love to pray with you. Let's sing Behind. 
worship experience and I got a page or two full of notes things that I can take home and chew on and and I got a lot today and so uh, let's just do the best we can uh, to be good friends if you're here for the very first time today we are so honored uh, that you chose to come and give things a try we want to encourage you to stop at one of our i'm new places and we've got a few out there in the lobby there's a big orange wall we got some tents around i uh, just stop and say hey we got a gift bag for you uh, at each of those places uh the next pathways is coming up september 21st you can sign up for that at the next step room or get online and do it um, but one of the things that we have always kind of worked really really hard here uh, as a church is our youth ministry uh in all aspects of that and and i just got to be honest with you as as your pastor said we need you guys we've got some critical areas to fill in the next couple of weeks so that we can kick off our youth ministries and guys men 
We really need you. Bradley really, really, really needs some men uh, that can lead small groups of guys. And so I want to really challenge you with that. Uh, we, uh, we have a program for mothers of preschoolers that's the second Tuesday of every month in the morning. And, and some of you ladies, we need just babysitters. We need ladies that will come for a couple hours once a month in the morning and watch some little preschool kids so that their moms can get their tank filled again and recharged. And so here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to, when we're done, I'm going to be down here at the front. And if you don't know who to go talk to, come talk to me and I'll get your name and phone number. And one of those peoples in an, in an area that needs your help will get in touch with this week. And even that child care, and hey, come on guys, we can do that too. And we can do that too. If you've got a couple hours a month that you can help out, uh, one hour a week in our regular youth ministry, man, we, we need you so, so much. Our world needs prayer. Our world needs prayer. And tomorrow and Tuesday are kind of our days uh, in this unceasing prayer for our community. Uh, and so if you had signed up for that before, uh, you should have got an email yesterday uh, reminding you about that. It starts at midnight tonight for us, and uh, we've got almost two full days now uh, covered. If you would like to join us in that, come down here and see me, and I'll take your email, and we'll get you on that list. Um, but we really need to pray. And Jason mentioned to you last week about uh, our missionaries in Central Asia that have focused on Afghanistan a lot. Uh, we, Gosh, we need to lift them up. So much that's going on. And we just got a heartbreaking uh, letter from them this week and just things that they're experiencing. Uh, and then we've done a lot of stuff with the CORE Foundation who works in, in Haiti and, and helping set up these farms to uh, get protein and sustain life there. And as you know, you know, they not only had an earthquake and then a hurricane and it was already a messed up, messed up place. And it's crazy right now. Uh, so I want to encourage you to pray for those two things and also just for everybody associated with any one of our schools uh, from the people in the offices to the teachers to the bus drivers uh, and especially our students would you lift them up in prayer this week glad you guys are here hope you learned some stuff about being a friend let's put it to work so let's love God and love people and let's go change the world we'll see you next Sunday